my dear fellow listeners to Republic Broadcasting Network. Today is the 21st of January in the year of our Lord Jesus the Christ, 2024 or more. You're listening to Yours Truly Mur. We have a chat room, yourstrulymur.chatango or chatango.com. And I'll put links in there, I think, later. Uh, I sometimes put them in sooner than later, and they, you know, they scroll away. So we have fun chit-chatting and everybody in there. So we'll do that instead first. But um, there were several things. But first, don't forget that this is the final week and the final day. You have about five hours to get in on the last of the book drive John Statmiller's book drive for this year. And the book is One Nation Under Israel by Andrew Hurley. Donations of 100 or more taken from November 5th through January 22nd will provide the donor with an opportunity to receive a book previously owned by John Statmiller. Get two birds with one stone and donate $250 or more to enter both the book drive and RBN simultaneous fundraiser. Check out the details, and here's the details. We have a nice little pooch on the, uh, it's commonly called the Confederate flag, but it is, in fact, St. Andrew's Cross. And that's why it's so hated by the Antichrist. They didn't come after the other flags, kind of much like they come after Mengele, and you see the whole list of doctors, and all that's, all that's a bunch of lies, malarkey, too. So, but... Something else to dig into at another time. So help us to kick off the new year with the RBN Rebel Madman Rabble Razor Quilt Raffle. To participate, call 800-724-2719, I guess extension 3, and leave a gift of 250 or more. And the lucky winner of the Rabble Razor will receive a packaged gift containing a Confederate battle flag quilt, RBN mug, t-shirt, business cards, and bumper stickers. And the winner will be determined at the end of January 2024. So we don't have a whole lot of time till the end of January, do we? But if you get in there today with the 250, you're in the running for the book, too. If you have already previously donated in the last three weeks an equivalent gift between December 10th and 31st and want to participate, you're eligible to join in. Just call and let us know that you are interested. Again, 800-724-2719, extension 3. And there's so many different uh, sponsors and ways to donate and help out the network so we can keep shining, like I'm sure John Statmiller would want us to do. And we have so many different types of information that no one else has. And it's so interesting Decades and decades of people's research we get to share and learn from. So um, um, I was going to tell everyone uh, how interesting it was. I was looking through archives and playing some of the things there. And one of the things was Travis. I don't have the computer on Friday night. And I kept meaning to go back and listen. And so I uh, tuned in and it was um, the fellow... uh, that the caller to Republic of Texas talked about this morning, and I saw over in Roger Sales forum as well the uh, statistical civics. But uh, 
when Travis said how he had had Tom Rogers on and Mitchell Henderson the week before that. So I listened to those two shows and we'll have Tom on at some point, hopefully. And it'd probably be fun to have a round table with uh, Mike in Kentucky and Ken in Texas when we do that. Um, Cause they called in and they were so they added so much. They were integral to the show. I must say. Um, so, uh, but also, um, even before that, I wanted to mention, because I'd been listening to Chris Hinckley, and he had been a guest again on Jeremy in Kentucky's show. That's um, 9 to 10 p.m., Monday through Thursdays, Central Time. And he was on on Wednesday when Jeremy has his religious um, segment there. And it was very good. A local minister, he had a clip from that. I think his name was Kenneth, young fellow. And then, and I, apparently the best stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor, as they say, right? They had some long after shows, and they're having such fun together, you know, where they're they're um, they're cooperating and then collaborating and now corroborating, so kind of a bulwark. And um, so, uh, on Jeremy came on Chris's show. Then the next morning, Thursday, that's ten to noon. Central, uh, Road Warrior Radio. Oh, Jeremy's show is in plain sight. And he came on Friday also. And they they were just so fun. Fun to listen to the two of them. It's like so many of the different shows on RBN that where hosts will, um, you know, be on each other's show and, and, and enjoy their company and share information. And, you know, and some of them have known each other a long time and some haven't, but some have very interesting things to share like um karen quinones who has the patriot tours tours nyc but uh she and her husband eddie are moving to uh, another location out of the city into the country and so um i don't know it'd be fun to have for her to have her own show i should ask about that huh sam <laughs> yeah if there was a place for her to fit in there, she's she's so good. There's so much information she has. And um, uh, what was the rest of it? I wanted to tell you about that. Oh, the Mitchell Henderson thing. That was so good, too. He, you know, with the two hours instead of one hour, it's like he has on rents, which is very good, too. But he had a little more time to talk about his own experiences and and that kind of share with us. And Travis will probably have him back, he says. So I like Travis's show. That's, I like it a lot. It's very nice. And so um, that's uh, 10 to midnight on Friday night central. And it's called Final Hour. But it's two hours. So final two hours. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I get concerned about words, how we uh, use them. And I've mentioned here how it really annoys me how somehow we've gotten into conjugating where we take credit or blame for what's done to us we used to say i was or were we would use and now we use the helping verb had as if we did it to ourselves and i actually heard a woman and i've said this on here before say i had my children taken from me you know, by child procurement services, right? So, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, language is the uh, first technology, and we're kind of 
kind of uh, it's being used against us. Let's put it that way. Like all this repetition of Hamas, fighting Hamas, 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 Hamas. And I was guilty of saying uh, Israel created Hamas, just like everyone else. But there's only one creator. So, that yeah, they started it. You could say formed, started, mutated, began, whatever. But there's only one creator. So I'm pulling the reins in on that one because they got carried away, took us over the cliff with the word gay. And um, this is what communist or communitarian takeovers do. They change the words. They, they um, First, they... Uh, they have snitches. So like one in every six people is a snitch for the government. But they focus on the natural leaders that spring up. And the other thing they do is change the dictionary and change the words and the meanings of them. And we see that being done. And so I wanted to uh, kind of pick up on create. And DW, the uh, retired airline pilot who was first into New York City, on 9-11, as that had just happened, flew, flew in there. And he was my my first two-hour show guest. And he was um, Dave Scorpio's first two-hour show guest, too. And hope to have him back. But on Thursdays, <clears throat> Jim Ram has a show. Uh, and his site is um, your, <clears throat> excuse me, your DIY Health. YourDIYHealth.com. And if you go there and click on radio shows, you can see all the ways to go down and check the archives or listen on the show or come in the conference call. That's where the live ones are held. So every Thursday is history. And we have Mike Gaddy and Cal Robbins and DW. And they, for the first hour, discuss the topic and usually some more. <laughs> and then the second hour, they bring our, the listeners in to share, too. And... Um, it's just very interesting. So uh, I guess we'll get started with this first link. And there's several parts, three parts in it. So in between, I'll try to um, set up what's happening next in the, in the link. So the first one we're going to hear here, Sam, is um, with Mike and Sarge and DW. If you'll play that, please. It's about 12 minutes. To his Christian worldview. Government will not be the enemy if God ordains it. And then he said, and this is pretty well true, I can't find anywhere that Patrick Henry ever quoted poetry. But I'll tell you what, if you deep, do a deep dive, you can find him always quoting the Bible. Biographer George Morgan pointed out, and I quote, The sermons of John Sherlock shaped Henry, as did the book Apology for the Bible by Bishop Watson. Morgan wrote, and I quote, he read Sherlock's sermons every Sunday evening to his family, after which his family all joined in in sacred music while he accompanied them on the violin. Henry argued that every nation and the state government were created by and for God, or should be. A government honoring God could have a much more personal relationship with the Creator and perhaps even receive its blessings. Now, from another book from William Wirt, he explained of Patrick Henry. And I quote, He, being Patrick Henry, had no doubt that God, who in former ages hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he might show forth his power and glory in the redemption of his chosen people, 
It was for the people to determine whether they were worthy of this divine interference, whether they would accept the high boon now held out to them by heaven. Now, folks, during this big battle here, and Cal and I have talked about this, and we have a little bit of disagreement on this point, and that's that's healthy as can be. But that 1784 letter in December from Thomas Jefferson to James Madison, where, and I'm not quoting directly from it, I'm saying that Jefferson says, as long as Patrick Henry is alive, we will have one perverted constitution after another. So we must pray devoutly for his death. Now, I believe Thomas Jefferson was totally, after reading thousands of Thomas Jefferson's letters and finding him very seldom ever using the word devoutly and several other things, that he was trashing Henry 18 years after he was dead, Cal believes that that statement by Thomas Jefferson was tongue-in-cheek. I don't. But that's the wonderful thing about what we do here, folks. We get to talk about these things. And we can agree to disagree and what have you without somebody getting angry at somebody else for not believing what they do. But before statehood in the 1760s, when establishing the colony of Virginia, Patrick Henry set two essential goals. He desired, quote, Christian religious freedom and the elimination of slavery. Wow, guys, 1760, 100 years. He wanted to do away with slavery. Henry argued that if they established Christianity as a mandatory state religion, that that would essentially shut down slavery due to the moral teachings and codes contained within the Bible itself. And in the faith itself. And he made several comparisons about that. And Patrick Henry also wanted a uh, government that would financially support Christian churches. Now, that adhere to the biblical principles of law and in his view, establish equality among civil and religious freedom. Now, he wanted a Virginia that would do that. He didn't say anything about the government mandating it. But James Madison jumped all over that to say that Henry wanted that mandated, that the government should support the Christian churches. And that's not at all what Patrick Henry said. I've double-checked through his quotes on several occasions. Patrick Henry believed that without the Christian religion being embraced by a state or a federal government, that the nation or the country would self-destruct. What are we looking at, folks? Well, guys, I've got a lot more to go here, but uh, like I talked with Sarge before we came on, and, uh, uh, you know, I could go on here if we were still going. I could go on to supper time with this stuff, and uh, but... Uh, what I'm going to do now is kind of open it up for discussion and uh, bring uh, DW and Cal into their thoughts. And uh, Sarge has suggested that uh, maybe we 
uh, reconvene on this subject next week. Works and if that's what the group would like to do, we'll do it. Go ahead, Sarge. I'm sorry, buddy. No, I was just going to say that's fine with me. I think uh, this is an important topic, you know, that's history that, you know, like uh, like many others have said, uh, before uh, I started listening to you in these shows, the only thing I knew about Patrick Henry was give me liberty or give me death. And oddly enough, that was good enough for me. <laughs> but there's so much well, more. Yeah. yeah, but Jim, yeah, you're exactly right. And I, I confess to feeling the same way for years because that's all I remember ever being taught about Patrick Henry in the public fool system. And yes, but just that concept, folks, mm-hmm. think about the dedication in those simple words. Give me liberty or give me death. Is, is there a stronger commitment? I don't know of it. It's DW, Cal. Oh, I'm sorry, Sarge. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's powerful. Let's get Cal and DW in here. All right, jump in, guys. Help me out. Okay. Uh, That's quite an intro. A couple of points. Patrick Henry has always been a question in my mind why he didn't attend the convention. Uh... Yeah, this this pretty well explains it. You know, the cornbread version is he uh, was not about to be have his uh, position and principles or his, his character and public identity be co-opted by Federalists and even participating in it, and uh, and leave that leave that difficulty of explaining that to them. Uh, at the same time, he's obviously fighting a rear guard for his country, Virginia, which he probably felt he was better capable of doing uh, in, uh, in this form of combat. Uh, the, uh, the other point I would make would be uh, in uh, the people that when you were talking about this being a Christian uh, Christian nation founded on principles and the Constitution and all that blather, uh, this is a this is simply a been a uh, you know two hundred fifty year two hundred forty year long uh, uh, marketing marketing program uh, for the purpose of convincing people they can serve two masters with virtue. That's simply all it is. It's it's pretty it's pretty transparent when you understand that as deists, their their creed, which uh, you so well defined in there, I won't go over it again. Uh, if anybody missed that, go back and listen to it again. What the deist creed is on religion? They're not against religion. They want freedom of religion. And in this Masonic, that is absolutely 110% consistent with Masonic creed to this day in your local lodges. Um, This is uh, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. I don't see any contradiction on their part. Uh, They're they're absolutely stating what their free Masonic principles on religion are. Uh, 
another point here is that it's imperative that they have a a, a corporate United States because under the articles, the states have submitted themselves, except for one, to be subordinate to the perfect laws of liberty. You can find those in a book in the Bible called James that nobody ever talks about. It's called the perfect law of liberty. You can find it there. <laughs> and uh, under a corporate, corporate creation, they are no longer subordinate and accountable to that law. They can now operate under a deist or corporate. The corporate structure of the Constitution, the, the, the doctrine there is then the charter of that corporation becomes the creator. Let me repeat that for you. They are creating, they, individuals, private men, are creating a creation that has a different charter. It becomes the creator then and is uh, then can set forth its own doctrines and theology and laws that are not subordinate to the perfect laws of liberty or any other thing anywhere at any time. Uh, do you look around and see what this uh, corporate charter called the Constitution has enabled politicians to do in just your lifetime. This is the full uh, expression of what a, a soulless creation can do. Uh, I know there's other things. There was a lot of stuff sitting there. Uh, it had my mind swimming. I'll stop there. Those are the, some of the points I took from it. My, Cal, jump in here. One one second, if I may, guys. Um, and this just popped into my head again. Uh, and that is the study that I did a couple of years back and uh, found several great writings on this. And I think, and that's one of the things I'm, uh, that uh, Pastor Wyland and I are doing, or Parson Wyland and I are doing now, is looking at some early uh, sermons, the sermons during the Revolutionary period. What were the preachers telling their people? And then to look at it, what was the most quoted verse by the preachers? Biblical scripture. What was the the scripture most often quoted by the preachers during the revolutionary era in America from the Christian church and it was Galatians 5.1 and let me read it and then I want to hear what Cal's got to say Galatians 5.1 it is for freedom that God that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, unquote. 
Okay. Thank you, Sam. And while you move that up to the next spot, um, before I forget again, I wrote it on the top of my notes and still forgot. I wanted to thank Blackbird9 for letting me tag along on Skype when he guest hosted for Robert, who had done four hours on New Year's Eve. So this was uh, January 7th that we did this. And I keep forgetting to say something. Last week I forgot to. So now I've said something. <laughs> so this next section is with uh, DW and Cal. If you have that ready, Sam. Or you are. Yeah. Uh, I got something to read for you here. I got something no. to read to you. Are you ready for that? Huh? Yeah. Okay. No. This is uh this is from a book called The Theory of Moral Sentiments. It's uh, written in seventeen fifty nine. The author is a one Adam Smith. I suppose you've heard of that name before. Oh yes. He writes a book. He writes a book Mason? released in 1770, 1776 uh, called The Wealth of Nations, and he is an agent of the British East India Company and the Bank of England. Having said all that, he's also a Scotsman. But Adam Smith, uh, in The Theory of Moral Sentiments, sentiments says, Smith mused on the beneficent ruses of avarice. Enchanted with the distant idea of felicity, a poor boy, charmed with the beauty of the luxuries abounding in the blue-blood world of pleasure, will work and cultivate his talents to fulfill his desire for riches, only to discover that wealth and greatness are mere trinkets of frivolous utility. It is well that nature imposes upon us in this manner. Smith observed, it is this deception which rouses and keeps in continual motion the industry of mankind. This is the purpose, the rehabilitation of desire. <clears throat> uh, which uh, this day choose to whom you would serve okay we have the bottom of our break and then we'll uh, catch up to Cal and DW on the other side thank you Sam to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org.
homeowners? Are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. All righty, we're back. And if we can go ahead and finish that part, I think this this one is about twelve minutes long altogether. So we have about half of it, I think. Yeah. The deists and the enlightened and the age of reason would have you choose their god, desire, ambition. They would mask it under the wonderful wonderful uh, uh, wonderful statements of 
productivity, uh, dominating the land, mining it and harvesting every part of it, and then proclaiming that you've done these wonderful things, and then you can cloister yourself around with all these uh, pretenses and little trinkets and your lovely houses and your cars and your image of yourself. Now, this was going on way back then. This is, this is, just, a, this is just typical, the nature of man. Well, they, they, they wanted a better horse. They wanted more land. They wanted the prettier girl. They wanted all the finest linens and pottery, accoutrement of what the market had to offer. And then you convince yourself of these things. There's no humility in that. This is this is the uh, part of that tortured psyche that never gets talked about or reconciled when talking about church and state and the people that proclaim all these virtues is their, their, their Calvinist, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, that, that latent conscience that nags at them for claiming they serve one God while they serve another. Well, you know, that's that's some pretty heavy stuff. But, in fact, uh, look in the recesses of your mind, and at your worst moments, that's what you were up to. Each and every one of you. All of us. How can I get this? How can I do that? Why do I want that? I'm entitled to that. Look what they got. Well... You're serving. To, you're trying to serve two masters. Patrick Henry, whether you agree with him or not, had had no uh, wasn't equivocating. He wasn't conflicted. Constitution and the people that brought it about and the interpretations of what manifested it allowed the contradictions to be covered up and actually praised as this great American way. That's resulted is exactly where you're at right now. That's your harvest. Uh, generational hypocrisy. Is that everyone? I don't think so. I think it's the uh, domain of the profane to call themselves leaders. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. Adam Smith knew it. He said, he said, I know how to. I know how to work this deal. <clears throat> yeah. And the British understood it too. They said, yeah, we can work with that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably yield there. We could open this up. <laughs> Bring on the Salem witch trials. Yeah. <laughs> hey, DW? Yeah. Seems how you seems how you brought a, a mason to the table. That being, uh, uh, let me bring another mason to the table. This one wrote this in seventeen seventy six. His first name was actually George. 
George Mason. And this is section 16, the section we haven't covered on uh, the Virginia Declaration of Rights. And I'm going to read that one. And it states, that religion or the duty which we owe our creator and the manner of discharging it can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence. And therefore, all men are in equally entitled to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience and that it is the mutual duty of all to practice Christian forbearance, love, and charity toward each other. I mean, this is one of those responsibilities in order to secure the blessings of liberty that George Mason was talking yeah. about. And... Yeah. See, I, I, I can follow that completely. You know, you know me, I don't call myself a Christian because they're just things in the Christian believe I just can't wrap my head around. But I do understand Christian forbearance. I do understand love and charity towards others. And so even non-Christians can participate in exercising Christian forbearance and love and charity amongst their fellow man. This isn't an yeah. exclusive dominance of just Christians are the only moral people in the world. That's not true. That's a pretty arrogant thought process I see in Christians. Is that, well, if you're not Christian, you're not moral. Well, there's a lot of moral people that aren't Christians, and there's a lot of Christians that ain't moral. So this, this, this title of Christianity has become almost meaningless, but you know, thank the government for that. Well, and thank the people that well, follow the uh, government and bring their Christianity to it. They've they have sacrificed yeah. their Christianity to government. Well, not, I would not supposed I would, to do uh, that. I yeah, I'd appreciate what you're saying there. I would say hey, that hey, uh, wait, that because you claim to be Christian. Well, hold on, just a minute. I got something to say here, brother. Sorry, buddy. So, uh, I uh, just, just because. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on that directly. Just because you call, you know, the fact that you would call yourself a Christian means that you need morality because you didn't have it. People, Christians that claim that they're moral aren't Christians because it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from you at all. It's you, you're, you're in desperate need of it, and you're, you're absolutely uh, void of it. That's why you need to have somebody else. Okay, to provide that, the you know it's all, it's I understand the abstract uh, uh, and idi ideal of what you're talking about. Uh, here's here's where the rubber beats the road. What we have right now is the full expression and manifestation of the liberty that you're talking about that they express, Mr. Mason. And what we have present is there is an alien ethnos within this nation, an alien ethnos with an alien agenda at this very moment, and the agenda is your demise. Okay? This is fundamentally terraforming or terraforming this entire nation at the very, at the very best, and, uh, you know, we're going to have to come face-to-face Knuckle to knuckle, maybe blood to blood, with these ideals, very soon. And where you live, you, you might come to it sooner than when we do, because I imagine 
you personally and your family will be personally and directly challenged and confronted with it by these alien threats. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm an idealist, and I'm trying to recover from that. <laughs> but at some point, reality sets in when you're, when you're, when you're threatened by physically being threatened by aliens. And I, I think what uh, I think what Tom, Alexander Hamilton in, in his heart would say, you know, and the basis of a homogeneous or ethnocentric uh, society is that you can either impose either impose your values or the values of that society on others, or and I, this is this hurts, you know. Or they're going to impose them on you. And that's what happened. That's what's happened. Other alien values have been imposed upon us. And there will be horrific, horrific prices to pay in the near future. I'll shut up. Thanks, Cal. Mike, go ahead, buddy. Well, was that the end of that one? I could jump in for a second or so oh, or two. Uh, we get somebody else. <laughs> oh, it was? Okay. Uh, well, while you move it up to the next spot, I want to jump in here myself. And um, I said about Hamas being created, which was wrong terminology. But what does Hamas mean? Does anyone know? It means violence. That's why they purposely, no one is saying Palestinians. They're killing the Palestinians. So they never use that word. They use the word for violence, Hamas. Much like COVID was really divok, divok, a demon on your back. This also is a demon. Okay, these Talmudists are spell casting demons on us all the time. So uh, I think we have, a, I think it's under four minutes for Cal now to say something here. And then we'll be through with this radio show. Thank Wondering, you. Cal, uh, what are your thoughts that we've got three of these men who fought equally along with Patrick Henry who never mentioned their faith? It would be because rightful liberty comes directly from man's creator, Mike. It transcends religion. I agree. That is, that's why Patrick Henry could say, give me liberty or give me death. That's why, look, look what Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Causes and Necessities for Taking Up Arms. He said that no attachment to no nation upon earth shall supplant our attachment to liberty. Everybody's looking for the solution. The solution is rightful liberty, people. Yeah, but the I mean, crazy he, thing about it is, is Jefferson abandoned it once he got uh, Lord Ashton virus. That's what power does, Mike. He did it to Patrick Henry. Even Patrick Henry was seduced by power. He admitted it. He admitted it. Did. He, yeah. Well, yeah, he admitted it. That's because he was a humble man as well. Because he had, he, he understood, you know, look at Mason, he wrote Christian Forbearance. I mean, mm -hmm. people, you don't have to be a Christian to understand what Christ taught and what his uh, meaning was. I mean, was it Gandhi? He said, the Christ guy I like, the Christians, not so much. 
I mean, mm. there there seems to be a disconnect, and it because I don't call myself a Christian. Maybe I'm on the outside of the forest seeing the trees or something. It, it, that Christians just seem to miss, and it's like to me, it's like guys, this is the the, the entity you guys worship taught this principle of rightful liberty. Why can't you grasp it? And I, I'm I'm just beating my head against a wall. Going, what is? I'm gonna have a head like yours, Mike. What is it that's going on here? I don't know. Is it something that you know you're taught when you're young? That I don't know. Is this the 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 work of the great deceiver? Let's call him Satan or the great deceiver. Is there is there something there? You know, I mean, that's how a psyop works. Who would be the greatest psyop master of all? other than Satan himself. Okay, thank you, Sam. Now, um, I just thought that was very interesting because imagine if all of our leaders had an anchor, had a good foundation, how that would help everyone in the country, not depending on these ridiculous things that destroy us. Um, you know, all the stuff they do with the children and they'll never, they'll never reproduce. So that's part of the eugenics. And I'd been thinking lately too about this one little girl a few years ago, Jim Stone had, had covered it and such a bright, happy little 14 year old and her grandmother, young grandmother, really, um, beside her. And she was holding her newborn baby. She had been raped. And wanted to keep her baby. And her grandmother was going to help raise the child, of course. And um, there were two other siblings this girl had that were living with the grandparents. And here comes another picture. This heavyset black woman in a black uniform from Child Procurement Services. Not only took the baby, but took the mother of the baby, the 14-year-old, and the siblings away from the grandparents. And I don't remember the name. I'm I'm going to have to track that down, though, because that really bothers me. And I don't know, I guess, just like so many others in this system, they just kind of faded away. So this next thing I have here coming up is from creationmoments.com. And uh, I, uh, I had said I would like to share some of these and probably have more than we need. But, <laughs> but they're only a minute long. And this first one... Um, Tell us about, if you want to get it ready, I know it doesn't take long to get ready there, Sam, but I want to tell everyone um, one of those empathetic things. I don't know. Some people probably have them more than others, and I seem to have my fair share, but uh, about two weeks before an event happened, um, I dreamt I was seeing through a frog's eyes, and everything was slowed down. And I had to keep focusing on this once I was awake to try to figure out what was going on is why I came upon the idea that it was a hibernating frog. And he was looking up and above him it looked like a cavern, um, like kind of upside down and like glass or ice or and tread marks and uh, something going by and the frog was responding very slowly. And so two weeks later, we were out on four-wheelers, and I uh, was riding on one with my husband, and he decided 
to make a quick turn and go across this pond, this uh, swampy pond that was not hard, frozen hard, frozen, but not real hard. So as long as you kept moving, you'd be all right, right? <laughs> Just a spur of the moment thing. But I wasn't worried at all because I'd been told before the frog saw what was going to happen and let me know. So if you want to pray that number two, we'll learn about the hibernating frog. Do frogs really hibernate? Find out next on today's Creation Moments. And now, here's our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. Did you ever wonder where frogs go in the winter? Yes, frogs hibernate, but there is much more to it than that. Frogs are cold-blooded, meaning that they don't create their own body heat. The heat they need to maintain life must come from the sun or the heat in the water and the air around them. As the weather cools off, a frog's blood begins to thicken and life slows down. Frogs begin to look for places to hibernate. If his body temperature falls more than two degrees below the freezing point of water, ice crystals will begin to form in his blood and he will die. Some frogs bury themselves deeply enough in the mud to avoid freezing temperatures. Others may crawl inside decaying logs or under leaves. Scientists have found that frogs have still another trick to help them survive. When the weather is unseasonably cool during the spring or summer, meaning a harder life and more deaths among the frog population, the next generation of frogs will automatically have more females. Additional females mean that more eggs can be laid in the spring. As a result, the frog population will more quickly return to normal. Everywhere we look in the creation, we find evidence, not only of the Creator's wisdom, but for His loving care of every living thing. Do you know His loving care in your life? You can be absolutely certain of that care through the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. For a free copy of our Creation Resource Catalog, visit our website at creationmoments.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-42-BIBLE. And be sure to join us next time for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth. Thank you, Sam. Now, I don't have another one of those to go with what I'm going to tell you now, but it's another one of those empathetic moments. I think I can get in here before we get to the top of the hour. And um, I had been waking up some nights suddenly, and I couldn't breathe. And what I was seeing would fade away really quickly. And um, so I wondered what was going on. And so my husband and uh, our son uh, went to a Boy Scout camp out one weekend. And so I had, I could wake up slower, right? So that dream or whatever empathetic thing came upon me. And um, uh, well, I should tell you a little more. We had a baby bunny, a wild bunny, and as he grew, he was just terrified. You know, he was just terrified. Well, we had pet cats and everything, and he was kept separate from them, of course, and everything, but he was just terrified all the time. So anyway, as I woke up from this and sat up and couldn't breathe, I saw what he must see from inside his house, his cage that he lived in. It was looking looking through those uh panels and uh and uh so his uh his unease poor little fella you know and and he he eventually died then but so then later 
and my husband was doing some more mowing in a field and brought another baby bunny in. It was in his shirt pocket. And I mean, these are so hard to refuse. And I just slowly shook my head. <laughs> no. And he said, okay, I guess uh, quality of life uh, rather than quantity of life. And that might be a rule for all of us to a lot of it in an extent. So he took them back out. But, you know, I had stirred up a, a nest, a bunny hutch that uh, this little fella. Oh, they're so cute. You just want to keep them. <laughs> want to keep them all safe, you know, but we can't. That's not how life is. There is no equality. There is no fairness. Life is suffering. This is a fact. And that's how we learn the most is through pain. Whether it be physical or mental, emotional, spiritual. But it takes pain. And that's why why people are so complacent right now, I think, in general. Because they just want to be away from this madding situation. But the thing is, they go home and turn on that lobotomy box and, or even stuff on the internet or playing the video games or whatever distraction other than nature. And you lose touch. Um, like I said last week, Hans Utter saying how since we have the GPS, you, lure, you lose your sense of direction. And native populations are very big on knowing the cardinal directions at any one time, wherever they are. And there's ways to bring us around to that. But it really helps if you can keep from having all these electronic devices that aren't healthy for us to begin with. Uh, if you listened to Ingrid Castle's show last night, that would be good to find out about the wireless situation and um, when I first moved here there was no you couldn't get a signal and they they put up a tower it's about uh, four or five miles as the crow flies and um, I feel sorry for the people that are from Colorado that live at the base of it across the road from it <laughs> but they never expected that to be in their backyard but yeah so if you can you know the more you can do without these distractions the better it is, especially for the little children. It's so, so important. You know, you see a baby given, given a cell phone, and if you say something to them, oh, well, this is what they were talking about on Angry Show, how, well, I don't usually do that. You know, it's at home, we don't do that. It was just a pacifier while they were out or whatever, but it's, it's uh, hard on us, and you know, and the microwaves and the the fact that it doesn't matter if it's ionizing radiation, non-ionizing radiation, or nuclear radiation. They all are cumulative. And people that never were sensitive become sensitive. And um, so anyway, see you on the other side.
Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.